Thanks for joining us on the DDS Faith Podcast. Our prayer is that as we discuss what God has to teach us through His Word, we can all learn how to deepen, defend, and share our faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, faithful DDS Faith listener. I'm Eli, the uh, beautiful face of the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Are you saying you're replacing Jeremy? Yes. Um, <laughs> I personally am way better at doing introductions than Wes. Um, wow. So that's, uh, that's why he brought it over to me. <laughs> um, anyways, as you can see from this camera angle, we have two different things going on here. Number one, a uh, great new neon DDS faith deep and defend share neon sign. Um, very bright, very cool, nice little aesthetic. It's going to bring millions of viewers, I'm sure. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like it a lot. I think it looks really cool. Uh, and then secondly, and most importantly today, we have, um, I guess not a new face for the podcast, but um, just a not so familiar face. Um, Mr. Todd Rust, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're here. Uh, that <laughs> makes it sound like I'm staying early. Um, <laughs> uh, Todd was on uh, the Philippians four eight episode that we recorded. We recorded it. I don't want to say like January, but it probably released sometime after that. So, uh, if you want to hear about Todd and his story and uh, hear more from him, then that's a great episode. It's one of my favorites. So definitely go check that one out. Um, but do you want to introduce yourself just a little bit, and we'll get into it? All right, I'm Todd Rust, as y'all have already heard. <laughs> uh, well, we've heard it like four times tonight. Yes, we've heard it. We've heard it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, hey guys, so this is yeah, this is the third recording tonight. The devil is at work tonight. <laughs> That's correct. <Yeah. laughs> um, because so the first time we were about 45 minutes into recording this and we realized that the video wasn't working. It was just frozen. <laughs> like the whole time. Yeah, the uh, entire time. Um, the only one that was working was the camera angle on Wes. Yeah. So I guess the and devil, that one was blurry. I guess the devil wanted Wes's words to get out. So you need to figure out what you're saying wrong. Wow. <laughs> no, anyways, um, second time is getting video and no audio. So this time we're hoping to get it. But that one we were only like 15 minutes into, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, everything, you know, I've, I've heard this introduction from Todd six times tonight. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll gladly hear I'm, it for a seventh. <laughs> I'm trying not to repeat anything, but your listener you has not to. actually not actually heard it. Yeah, so. I feel like we keep repeating ourselves. <laughs> it's not as repetitive as yeah. it feels. Yeah. Um, so we're hitting on discipleship. Um, and, uh, you know, tonight is really about what is it like to be a disciple of Christ? And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, they don't necessarily know what a disciple is. And what a lot of people don't understand is discipleship is not exclusive to Christianity. Uh, discipleship just means pupil, a learner, somebody who follows. You know, uh, for me, I had somebody that... They poured into me, and they, they showed me how to study the Bible. They, they challenged me on different things. They, they showed me how to make disciples myself. Um, and, um, 
And yeah, and you, you've got a little bit of a story about discipleship yeah, so, and what, what you thought that was. Well, in this series, we're going to cover three big things uh, tentatively. Who knows what will change? Depends on if the mics are working in the video. <laughs> uh, but this episode, we're going to cover what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and then after that, we'll cover making disciples of Jesus. And then third, um, family discipleship. Yeah. And then all of those go right in together. They all... Uh, build on top of each other because you can't make disciples of Jesus if you yourself aren't a true disciple of Jesus and you can't have family discipleship, you know, parents being the primary disciple of their children if they themselves aren't disciples of Jesus. So all this goes together. But tonight we'll just talk about what the Bible or what the word, both Jesus and our written word, calls us to when it comes to this um, being a disciple of Christ. Um, but anyways, what you just mentioned, uh, discipleship, unfortunately wasn't a familiar concept for me until about three or four years ago when you, uh, Wes, came to be the youth pastor at my church at the time. Um, so I was I was probably about 15 or 16. I'm 19 now, so you're, I was about 15, I think, when you got there. And you were still pretty new at this particular church, and me and my mom were having this conversation about this, this guy that we knew that said that he had disciples, and we thought that that was like the strangest thing ever. Um, it was like a foreign concept to us. We we thought that it was some sort of heresy that this guy had disciples. It was like <laughs> like what is he? What religion is this guy talking right. about? Uh, when I thought of disciples, I thought of like just the twelve disciples back when Jesus was on Earth. Um, but there are way more than twelve disciples in the Bible. Exactly. There, there John hundreds. John had disciples, yeah, John. and mm-hmm. uh, well, many of them had disciples. Yep. John is one that's mentioned more in the Gospels. He had, yeah, he had specifically like John the Baptist. He, yeah. he had was it six? I don't know. Um, is it mentioned? Does it say? I don't know if it mentions the um, number. I know he had a, a handful, obviously. But anyways, um, back to the story. So uh, that was a, a discipleship was a, just a foreign concept to me at the time, and that's kind of sad knowing that, you know, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church where the first time the concept of discipleship was taught to me, I was 15 years old and I was there right. since I was born. And so i asked you about it. I was like, why is this guy saying that he has disciples? And you were like, you know, I have disciples. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my goodness, like this, now there's a heretic youth pastor at my church. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So anyways, we got to talking about it, and you kind of pointed out, you know, we are supposed to make disciples uh, and and be disciples. You know, being a disciple at its core, like you just mentioned, is being a learner and a follower. And you can see in Matthew 10, a disciple, uh, Matthew 10, 24, I'll just read it. Uh, Jesus said, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house... um, Okay, I'm not, I don't even really need to read the rest of that. because it's um, So a disciple will become like their teacher. They're a follower. They're an imitator. And you can also see um, that we, in, in Ephesians, that we are ambassadors of Christ. We're representatives of Christ. Um, so that, at its core, is being a disciple of Jesus. Our goal is to become as much like Jesus as we can. We're being conformed to the image of his son. You can see that in Romans 8. Um, we're being holy. You can see that in 1 Peter 1 and also Leviticus Um and we just need to be as much like Jesus as we can. So when we make disciples, we're not necessarily just making disciples of ourselves, but we're making disciples of Jesus. We're pointing them to Jesus. We're teaching them the word and teaching them how to be like Jesus while we're here on earth, not being conformed to this world, but 
being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that in Romans 12. Um, so yeah. Uh, in the last three or four recordings, Todd has read, uh, this. <laughs> we got so. it right now, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Todd. So I'll, I'll read, I'll read, uh, Matthew 28. Um, we're going to start in 18. Can't wait to see what it says. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. We start at 19 or 17. Yeah. We'll go back. We'll start in 18 again. Maybe it'll work this time. Uh, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Go ahead. You're the <laughs> yep. one that hit the next part. Yeah. All right. You said uh, the, so, all authority has been given to me. Go ahead. Yeah. So what stands out to me in that, you know, part of being a disciple is is going out and telling others about Jesus. And uh, that that sometimes is a little scary to me. But then whenever I see this right here, it talks about all authority has been given to me. And then it comes down here in 20 and it says, and I am with you always. So we have Jesus with us always when we're going out and making disciples, telling them about, about him and all authority has been given to him. So if we have him with us, we have the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, and I like what you just said, uh, how Jesus is with us. And like, so in that, in Matthew 28, he's talking to his disciples literally right before he ascends into heaven. Correct. And if you go back to uh, John 14, so now you're back in John's perspective, um, in the upper room, Jesus introduces the concept of the spirit um, entering like into our hearts and being with us, not only with us, but in us. So what you just mentioned um we now have the spirit, which, you know, the spirit is Jesus. It's the triune God. It's all one and the same. Um, obviously, I can't sit here and explain that like, to the best of my ability, but... Spirit um, of God. Yeah, the spirit of God in, indwells you, and we have some episodes on that. And I know I've referenced that a lot, but um, I've referenced John 14 a lot on here. But, like, I, I want to emphasize that because that's a concept that most believers don't really grasp. Like, when you're a believer, you're true regenerated born again believer you have the spirit um and that's what you're supposed to live by you're supposed to live by the spirit not the flesh so when he says right there in verse 18 that kind of lines up the whole great commission there all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth um, you can literally take that all the way back to genesis 1 1 and i think this is really cool this is something i've been studying a lot recently in the beginning god comma and it just just end it there and just think about that. God is outside of time. He's not saying that in the beginning of time, God. It's saying in the beginning, like before time. Um, so God created time. You get you gotta understand that. And then all in the, authority in our concept yeah, of Yeah, in our concept of time, you know what is beginning. Exactly. It doesn't begin. So when you understand just those couple five words, <laughs> um, that's that just goes right back to what you just read in Matthew twenty eight, eighteen. 
all authority has been given to you know Jesus on mm-hmm. heaven and earth because not only is Jesus fully man, but he is fully God, which is with us in our hearts. Right, and, and that's then, that's part of discipleship. And and we'll talk. We'll we'll dig more on this next week when we dig on making disciples. Of you know how how does that work? How do we make disciples? But you know you you had mentioned uh, twenty eight nineteen and twenty, and you know it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then he tells you how he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I have commanded you. Um, so first let's go to the baptism part, because a lot of people, especially Baptists, you know, we think, you know, oh yeah, it dunk people underwater and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and then let them back up, you know. And uh, that's not really what's meant by that. Now, is it important to have that water baptism? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, Jesus did it. We need to do it. It's part of obedience. Like, I'm 100% for a water baptism. But that's not what Jesus is talking about when he's making this commandment. The word baptism just means to submerge or immerse, to soak. And and now, now let's put this in a different perspective. Instead of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's see. Submerging them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, soaking them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's what we need to do ourselves. We need to soak ourselves, drench ourselves in Him. But often we don't. Instead, um, you know, ironically, you know, some people, you know, they, they, they do a sprinkle baptism. Uh, this may bother some people, but this is one of the reasons um, I'm against sprinkling baptism because it's kind of like you're just sprinkling the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit instead of soaking yourself in mm-hmm. him. Well, you're completely going under the water as a dead man in their sins, dead in trespasses, and then coming out a new work of Christ. Right. Which, um, you know. Buried uh, with him in baptism, raised to walk an innocent life. That should be in the Bible somewhere. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that yeah, that goes right back to John 3, which is, you know, one of the most referenced chapters in the Bible, specifically verse 16, obviously. But if you read before that, it sets the groundwork for verse 16. So uh, Nicodemus goes to Jesus by night and just asks, you know, uh, how can somebody enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says that you must be uh, reborn. And then, Jesus, and then Nicodemus is like, how can someone go back into their mother's womb and be reborn? And Jesus is like, you're not born of the flesh. You're not born. You're not reborn of baptized by water, but you're reborn in the spirit. What God did through Jesus, especially, he made it more obvious with Jesus. But God has always given us since the beginning a physical representation of something that we are supposed to understand spiritually. Uh Baptism is one of those. The water baptism. You know, you, you're dunked underwater. Imagine the water being the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's Christ, you know. Um, you submerge yourself in that. It's supposed to be that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, look at um, several other things in the Bible. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about Passover, you know, and we get this perfect imagery of how God passes over our sins. Um, by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus. Mm. You know, um, there's lots of being born again, you know, uh, like, oh, how can I go back in my mother's room? Like they, they always took it physically and literally when God is trying, Jesus is trying to talk to them spiritually. Well, even, even uh, at the very beginning of Romans, when Paul is debunking the idea of circumcision, 
uh, like fleshly circumcision and that being your way of salvation. So he's he's distincting that Jews and Gentiles are essentially on the same playing field. Um, and he, in the end of chapter two of Romans, he mentions that um, you know circumcision of the flesh is essentially nothing because you have to be circumcised of the heart. Right. So there's required a heart change or a spiritual change because the heart is our soul. Um, well, it's like being a part of a part of Israel. You know, like uh, uh, Paul says specifically, you know, not all Israel is Israel. Not not all people that were born from Abraham are children of the promise. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the, what we need to understand. It's yep. like it's not what we do on our outside, on our flesh. It's what's on the inside. It's 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 how we, you know, communicate with God. It's how we talk with Him. It's how we grow with Him. Well, and, and uh, so you just referenced Romans eleven. Um, not all descendants of Abraham, Abraham yeah. right? So we are children of the promise through faith. And then he goes at the uh, very end of chapter nine. If you go back in Romans, he's talking about how. Um, they had come up with a works-based salvation and not a salvation based on faith. Exactly. And then he goes, that's coming right, that's right before going into the idea of Israel and how the word of God has not failed. Right. Um, because Israel isn't the literal nation Israel, it's the church. Um, so has the word of God failed? Paul asked that question, and no, it is not, because you're thinking of the wrong Israel. Really quick, I want to be clear, just to make sure the, the viewer understands, we are not saying that the church replaced Israel. Yeah, that's replacement that theology and saying. that's heresy. We're exactly. Yeah. We're we're saying that the church is Israel. It's mm. always been Israel. Mm. Uh, we're grafted in. We're Gentiles. Yes, we are we are separate from the nation of Israel. Yes, absolutely we are. But as far as spiritual Israel, the children of the promise, that's who Israel is. And guess what? If you're a saved born again believer, you're children of the promise. Mm. Well, and uh I don't want to go too far down the road, yeah, but uh, the the point of all that is to say that being a disciple of Jesus requires more than just you know in Romans two scenario fleshly circumcision or um, a natural birth, but it requires a spiritual birth, dying to your old self, becoming conformed to the image of Jesus. So, if there was one sentence that could define discipleship from a biblical perspective, it's becoming more like Jesus and following Jesus. Um, so yeah. So this is Matthew 10, 32 through 39. It says, therefore, whoever confesses me before me and him, I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That is a loaded uh, section of scripture there. Um, a couple of things that stick out to me, though, you know, um, he, Jesus speaking there kind of hits a few different ideas. Um, that that verse 38 right there is a very famous one that people use a lot. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
um, you know, what does it mean to really take up your cross and follow Jesus? Um, and we have to kind of think back to cultural context there. A cross was just an, a crucifixion method. So you could say the same thing as an electric chair. Well, or... back then, nobody wore a cross around their neck. Yeah. That would be weird. Like, really creepy weird. Yeah, like, we don't walk yeah. around with an electric chair hanging around our neck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, think about what a cross was at the time. So Jesus is saying you must be willing to lose your life. And then right after he says that, verse 39, <laughs> he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So that, he, he's literally saying, be willing to give up your life if you want to follow me. Uh, whenever he picks up, or not picks up, but <laughs> uh, goes and tells Andrew and... Peter, is it was it Andrew when they're fishing? Is that right? Andrew, I don't know what you're referring to just yet. He told him to drop their nets and follow him. Uh, at the yeah, time, you know, Andrew. yeah. So Peter and Andrew were fishing. Jesus went up to him and said, "Drop your nets and follow me." But fishing was their livelihood, like that was their method of income. That was their life. Like they were fishermen, literally. That was their jobs. And Jesus said, "Now you're going to be fishers of men." Um, so they had to leave their nets. He didn't just say, "Come with me." Like he said, "Like drop your nets." Um, and like, I know we all have some stories, especially you guys about some personal experience you have with Jesus telling you to drop your nets, not, not literally, drop your bass boat. Yeah. Like I was, like I was telling Spoiler y'all alert. in the, in the previous episode that you mean the, you mean the, the previous the, recording, of yeah. the previous recording. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to hear the story. Yeah, so, see where it goes. so the losing <laughs> the losing your life, you know, that doesn't always. That, I mean, that of course you should be willing to die for for Christ. Yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean physical life. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I was telling you all previously. Um, so I had this bass boat of mine, and it was the end all be all of bass boats for me. You know, I'd wanted I'd seen a bullet bass boat on the water since I can remember time. Okay, and, and <laughs> I was like, oh, one of these days, and and I and I finally got one right, and uh, I fished out of that boat for eight years. But uh, anyway, uh, I'd say about the last three years of that, I was uh, feeling convicted that I just needed to get rid of this boat. You know, and I, I, I'm not saying God actually said, Hey, Todd, you need to sell your boat. But every time I, I just was feeling conviction about, I need to get rid of this boat. And then, uh, a few, few years ago there, when the, when the paper mill shut down, I, I, I mean, I, I had a choice, but I decided to get rid of the boat. Finally decided to just get rid of the boat. And I started getting rid of a bunch of my stuff anyway. And, and then I ended up getting a job in South Carolina and, uh, we ended up getting a uh, just just having an estate sale and selling things and 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 people thought you know some of the people thought I was crazy for that, but uh, and well, and you I sold everything you had. I sold everything, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, we sold our camper, our boat, and and everything in the house and our house and, <laughs> and so, but uh, and moved to South Carolina and and. Yeah, I got a job at a paper mill down there, and and we were there for I don't know ten months, something like that, and uh, and then got a call to come back home. <laughs> so you and, sold all of your stuff, like literally all of your stuff. You moved six hours away and stayed there for about ten months, and came back. Well, it's it three hours away. Three hours away. Yeah. Still, so you moved, and then you came back. 
few months later. Yes. But while we were down there, you know, I, we, we tried not to do anything major. Well, we really shouldn't do anything without bathing it in prayer, but especially mm-hmm. major decisions, you know. And we felt like the Lord was, we felt like we were getting the green light to go do this. So then about three months into that, Vicky got really bad sick. And uh, and we, we, we finally got the opportunity to come back. And I'm thinking, you know, why in the world did you have me do this, Lord? But while we were down there, she got so bad sick, we, we learned about how to do church at home. Mm. Met, met some people down there, and, and they, they, they got us into doing this I guess, home church deal. And we've we've actually brought that back here. Real quick, when you say home church, um, I think a lot of people may be thinking, oh, I'm just going to go do church at home with just me and my family. You know, is it like that or is it more to it than that? I thought home church was just watching the live stream of your church. Service. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, uh, so explain the home church real quick. We'll, we'll do another episode on that here in a few weeks. But uh, okay, so what does that look like? All right, so uh, this this guy that we met down there, uh, who was doing some discipleship type stuff okay they were going out and and got ashley into going out with with them and they were going out and sharing jesus in this refugee apartment complex yeah these people and he found out that that vicky was battling cancer and sick and he asked if he could come pray with us Mm. so one of my prayer requests was I would I would like for Vicky to feel good enough to go back to church. Yeah. Because she was really missing going to church. And um he said, Well, let me let me let me tell you a little something, man. I kinda do that. I'm a church planner. And uh we, we do that in this refugee complex and we teach people how to have a church at their house. And he said, We can bring that here. To your apartment if you would like so me and vicky agreed that we would do that so he came along beside us and showed us how that they did it and mm-hmm. and it's it's through a through a deal called no place left and um and they taught us how to how to do a little church service at home and at first i was kind of apprehensive about calling it church i thought uh, you know bible study or something like that at home but <laughs> the more we did it the more i understood the, the the more it i was comfortable with calling it home church people would have a hard time reading philemon because paul was writing to a home church yeah <laughs> uh he literally had, like addresses the beginning of the letter by saying like to the church yeah at home yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and uh I think a home church is great. Well, you know, that's yeah. that's part of gathering with other disciples of Jesus, which yeah. is just as important as being a disciple of Jesus. Well, I know it's, it's part of being a disciple of Jesus is coming alongside other disciples in true fellowship in the same spirit, and you don't have to have a choir and a microphone and a Southern Baptist preacher and a pulpit and comfortable <laughs> chairs and your mamma sitting next to you do that. Yeah. You could, we could do uh, this right here is fellowship. Yeah, we're all in the same spirit. We all contain or have the same spirit in our hearts. This 
is church. We are the yes. church. You don't have to go on Sunday morning. Church is all week long. It's, it, it should so, be all week long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think the home church thing is awesome. I really well, do. Yeah. Well, um, so we, we when we came back here, you know, Vicky was still not able to go to church, which we watched online and everything, you know, mm-hmm. still, but uh, got to telling some of my friends about it, and they decided that they they – they said, "Well, can we do that here?" Well, yeah, we can. We can do that here. So we had. I mean, we have some things that we study. You know, so actual. It's not like we're coming up with these sermons and everything. We've got actual just Bible st- studies that we do, mm-hmm. and we get together and 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 study God's word. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, so that kind of continued on to here, and we've we've actually seen we've been talking about it at work and people have been interested in it. And so we've, we've shared the three circles gospel presentation with them and people have come to follow Christ and are starting to go to our little church now. So it's, it's mm-hmm. starting to kick on, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's part of definitely part of being a disciple and, and discipling other people and, Getting with getting with each other in the Word and studying the Word and and learning mm-hmm. more about Jesus so that we can go out into the world and 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 tell others about Him. Mm-hmm. Because believe it or not, church is not supposed to have the world inside of it. Uh, the church gathering is for believers. Now, should you kick an unbeliever out of your congregation? No, but they're not part of the congregation. Right. Um, you can't cater your services around the unbeliever because you've just completely abandoned the idea of the actual believers being edified in Christ and that true fellowship. That's why I love the home church idea. Yeah. So, you know, Todd, I remember a few years ago when you were telling me what you were doing and you were selling all your stuff, and I was like, oh, man, that's crazy. And, you know, um, it's funny because, you know, more, more than 10 years ago, 13 years ago even, the way I viewed... Everything that I had was that it was God's, you know, that's, that's God's recliner. That's, that's God's sign over there. You know, that's God's microphone, P, uh, uh, laptop, iPad, whatever, you know, that's, that's God's. And, and I remember I was in youth ministry and, um, uh, this, this girl picked up my laptop, ran off and dropped it. Now this wasn't a cheap laptop. This was a nice MacBook, you know, pro and, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, when their nice, expensive laptop drops, they go, <gasps> which is the normal, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I was in this state of, that's God's laptop. Now, it needs to be taken care of. You know, I don't think we should abuse it by any means because, I mean, it is God's laptop. Well, that doesn't laptop. give us an excuse to be bad stewards of our money. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but when an accident happened to it, I was not broken up. I wasn't even worried about it. You know, picked the laptop up, worked fine. You know, um, and, and sometimes I've I've lost things that that weren't very fun. And um, you know, I heard your story, and a little bit later on, uh, you know, Jeremy, uh, he he gave his story, uh, the Mad at God episode, which I encourage you guys to go listen to. Even if you've heard it once, I think you should hear it again. I think it's a lot of good stuff. Um, but, you know, he lost everything, all of his comic books. I mean, he lost everything, and th- those were important to him. And I remember talking and sitting with him in my living room, and I said, Jeremy, I'm jealous of you. 
and what you're going through right now. And he's like, really? My horrible trials? I'm like, yes. And I know that sounds really weird, but I had begun to notice between Todd and Jeremy, I, I begun to notice that I really found my identity in my things. I found my success in the things that I had because, you know, I had a boat. I had two jet skis. I've always wanted a boat. I've always wanted jet skis. And I finally got them, you know, and I had a lot of cool tools. Like I had a band saw and a, a really cool um, table saw that ran like a dolly. And then you could just like kick it up and work it. And um, I love doing all those sorts of things. I had, you know, I told him I was jealous of that and I, and I knew that I had the problem, but I had such a hard time letting it go. And finally, just a few months ago, you know, um, one of the reasons why we're no longer in that old studio and we got this nicer one, which is cool. Like, thank, praise the Lord. You know, God really changed our lives and we went from a 2,600 square foot house to an 1,100 square foot apartment. And I've never lived in an apartment before. I've always been blessed. I've always been able to live in a house. And, you know, I got to be honest, when I found out we were moving into an apartment, I was like, oh, no, not that. Not an apartment, you know, and I almost felt like I was, I don't know. It, it was a little bit of pride, I think, that um, that got hit pretty hard. And, um, you know, before we moved here, I mean, we clearly had to sell tons of stuff. I mean, there's no way all of our things could fit. And so we started selling. We started putting, we, we sold thousands of dollars worth of stuff um, for about half of what it was worth. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was one thing, you know, I had a generator. It was a nice Generac generator. It was, <laughs> it was awesome, man. I could run my dryer if I wanted to, you know. I got a 220 on there. And, I mean, that thing ran. Never really used it because power never went out. But, <laughs> but man, I had it and I was cool. You know, nobody knew I had it because I didn't advertise it. But I felt cool. I identified in my things, and I sold it for less than half of what it was worth. I sold my pressure washer and a whole bunch of other stuff that I just, you know, um, I, I like my big nice tools. You know, and um, and and God made me sell it, and it was so freeing and, and, I, and I didn't realize because like I wanted to keep it so bad and God's just like let it go and I did and now we're in this small apartment and you know even even my family you know at first it was a huge adjustment but he, after a couple of weeks you know even my kids were like I like being so close together now you know we don't have to yell across the house to get each other's attention you know and um, who knows maybe we'll stay in this apartment for a while I don't know um, I'm willing to, for sure. And I think part of being a disciple is, one, being willing to do whatever God calls you to do. But number two is getting rid of all your idols. And I had a bunch of them. I had a bunch of them. And I need to get back to where I was, where this is God's recliner. This isn't mine. This is this is God's iPad. I don't own this. This isn't mine. You know, and that, that makes you keep better care of things. Um, and it also, you're not as attached to it. Because it's like, you know, that's that's the, God will take care of his stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and what y'all just talked about is, you know, the fruits of being a disciple of Jesus. Um, in this particular case, so you have the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, I think it's Galatians uh, 5. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, 
self-control. self-control. Yeah. Um, you know, they say that the one you forget is the is one, the you, one you, need, you struggle with the most. I do not struggle with struggle. <laughs> he um, said uncontrollably. Yeah. Anyways, in this particular case, we're talking about faithfulness. Um, so you guys are willing to leave your old stuff behind, and you're willing to pursue a life, in this case, of you know humility and being faithful towards God, even though he has provided those things for you. That, yeah. Like you said, they're his things. Um, that's that, why he gives and takes away. Right. Blessed and that, be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Job. Um, and Job in the context of what you're speaking of was getting literally everything ripped away not only his family is all getting killed off by you know quote natural disasters that are vessels of God but he was also coming down with these boils on his skin like he's just miserable like he is suffering big time and here we are and it's like you know, I would love to put some nice tires on my truck. Man, I lost my yeah. boat. Yeah, I would, yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, woe is me. <laughs> um, that's part of being a disciple of Jesus. And going back to what you read earlier, uh, one of my favorite passages, just like every other passage I mentioned on here, I always, I always say it's my favorite. You got all, all the episodes are your favorite, and all the scripture the, verses are your favorite. We know. Yeah. <laughs> and all the guests. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, going back to Matthew 10, we kind of talked about taking up your cross and following Christ. But there's also the uh, verse 34. Do not, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So the sword he's talking about is the word. So you can see Hebrews 4.12, the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um but in this case, this isn't a sword that you know stabs and kills, but it's a sword that rightly divides and pierces and brings to righteousness. Um, so this, yeah, obviously Jesus brings reconciliation and peace between sinful man and a holy God. He's the vessel in which that happens, or the, the high priest, as you can see Hebrews. Um, but in this particular piece, he's going into the idea of the household, the father or mother. Um, if you... You know, we've had Gomer on here. Um, Gomer Williams, he's a, a missionary in West Africa. And the people that he's ministering to over there, him and the people he's working with, those people, if they choose to follow Christ, are like literally signing up to die. Um, they Their families turn on them. It's very heavily um, Islamic over there. And uh, it's not like over here where you're, you being a social Christian, you get praised for it. Mm. Over here, it's really easy to be a quote, Christian. We can go to Passion and we can go to these conferences and listen to worship music and post about it and go on a mission trip. And like, you're going to get praise for that, especially here in East Tennessee and like the heart of the Bible Belt. Um, but when you take that next step into radically following Jesus, you would be surprised at the people who think you're crazy because those are the people that claim to be believers. A lot of people this right here says that it would literally turn your father and mother against you. It says those, uh, let's see, a man's enemies will be the members of his household. That's verse 36. So, and previously he's saying that Jesus came to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother. And that, um, you know, he who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Um, you must hate your father or mother to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that um, to follow Jesus, you just have to hate your parents. Like, Mom and Dad, I hate you now because I'm right. now a follower of Jesus. It's saying you must be willing to. Or in comparison, um, to, in comparison, in comparison. To, to Jesus because you should you should be willing to follow Jesus and love Jesus in such a way that it looks like you hate your parents now. Um, 
And that sounds crazy, but I just got done reading Radical by David Platt yeah. for the second time. And it talks about how stepping across the line of being a social, superficial Christian to actually following Jesus based on what the Bible calls us to and what the Word calls us to, people are going to think you're crazy. And I've, I've been through that, and y'all have been through that. Um, mine's more recent, I think. Um, just, you know, I've, I've kind of stepped out into that more radical side of following Jesus. And the people that think I'm crazy are the people that once were like, he's so precious, he's going to be a preacher one day, you know. <laughs> and now it's like, he's crazy. And yep. it's like, I'm kind of honored that people think that because, um, <laughs> you know, it's you'd be surprised at how much of the world are in Sunday morning congregations now. Um, I came to set a, uh, I, I came to set, oh, I lost it. A son against his daughter and a, a father against his son. Yeah. And that's the way to following Jesus is not just going to passion and listening to praise music and going on mission trips, being on a podcast. It's so easy to play Christian. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. Like we get praise for America. here. I can go on my Snapchat or whatever, and I can post a Bible verse and people are going to be all over that. Like that people use Christianity as like an aesthetic to bring apart on their life. Like put a Bible verse in your, in your bio and do this. That's just like to make sure it's clear. Like, Hey, I go to church. Right. They don't. They don't say that, but that's the case, and I know that because I was there not long ago. Um, so I know what it's like to be in that position. You have to take that step across the line of social Christian to disciple of Jesus, because a true disciple doesn't have those ulterior motives. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. You can see that in Romans seven and uh, things. That, you know, all the Bible says it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh... That just what you said there just brought up a, a memory to something that happened to me here recently. Mm -hmm. um, so the guy I was telling you about that helped us start our home church, mm -hmm. he comes up here every once in a while and he visits, and uh, he 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 just comes up and gets with us, and we'll we'll go out and share, you know. And we were sitting at Food City over here by the mill, and. Uh, the one downtown, mm -hmm. and uh, our great, lovely downtown Kings. Yes, yes, the the <laughs> the fragrant downtown. But anyway, <laughs> it makes me money. But yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're sitting there, and uh, and and one of the things that he challenges us to do, and that we challenge each other, you know, in our little home church there, because we meet over there sometimes, and uh, so we just go up and ask people if we can pray with them. You know, and and we'll get to pray with them and everything, and that usually opens the door to be able to share the gospel with them through that three circles deal. And uh, this this couple walked in, and uh, they're homeless. And uh, my buddy challenged me to go and share with these people, and man, I I really didn't want to, you know. And that's where that all authority is given to me. You know, and I am with you always. I was nervous. I, I was like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, man. I was. Just, <laughs> and, but I went over there and I asked him if I could pray for him, and he wanted me to pray for his mom. So I prayed for him. And uh, make a long story short, here I've developed a relationship with this guy, and me and a couple of the people that I that are in my home church <coughs> have developed a relationship with this guy. 
And, you know, we just asked him one day, Hey man, how can we, how can we help you? You know, and this guy has not made a profession of Christ or anything like that. You know, I haven't, we haven't got him saved and dunked him in the river or nothing like that, but we have, we're, we've got a relationship with this fellow and we got to take him to a truck stop the other day and buy him a shower Mm. and Something that you were talking about, you know, when you said, oh, woe is me, I got to, I had to give up my bass boat, you know. Yeah. Well, me and this this guy that, that went with me, because we try to go with two people, you know, we don't want to be crazy and, and reckless and just, but some, because you never know. But we try to go two of us at least. And uh, so we took him up there and this guy, me and this guy are standing outside. And he's like, man, this dude's taking forever to take a shower. I said, yeah, man. When's the last time you had a shower? You know, when's the last time you went more than a day without a shower? Mm. Look at this guy. He's, we, we asked him if we could help him and he asked for a shower mm. and he took like a 30 minute shower. And when he came out, we took him back home or back downtown. Mm. You know, you don't have a home, but we took him back downtown and the whole time he's just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and it puts things in perspective when you get out into the world and you start being Jesus to, not that I'm Jesus or any of us are Jesus, but you know, when you start sharing Jesus with, with, with the world that we live in and you don't have to go to Africa, you know, Mm -hmm. it's right here Mm -hmm. where we live, uh, you, you, you get a perspective about it, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, uh, I had all kinds of things that I really wanted to do other than take a homeless guy to, to take a shower, you know, and, and. Well, you got to make those church fellowships yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I, I did, I had a whole you lot to get of a other... picture with them so you can post about it. Yeah. Okay. I'd have to get a Facebook to post or whatever it is. But, but anyway, yeah, I'm so glad that I actually went, you know, and got to do this with this fella because it was a, more of a blessing to me, I think, than it was to him. And, 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 and so we got a little perspective on that. And, you know, that's that discipleship thing too. The guy that I took with me, he's a very young Christian, mm-hmm. you know, and he got a little dose of reality there. You know, he was like, Hey man, this dude's taking forever to take a shower. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I brought that up to him, he's like, you know, I, I've never even really thought about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I just figured I'd throw that in there. It yeah. brought it, you brought it to my mind. So. Yeah. You know, I, I really like the, the concept that, uh, that was brought up a social Christian. Um, unfortunately, I think there's way too many social Christians. There's too many people that are just, they're Christian because their friends are Christian because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're expected to do. But there's no real, there's no regeneration. There's no real change. And, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning with you, Eli, not understanding or not knowing about making disciples. Mm. The Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Like... How, how is that not known? And, you know, that's not your fault. Mm. You know, you're a child. 
not now, but you were a child. Mm. Someone should have taught you those things. Someone should teach you how to read the Bible. Hey, we want to read this every day. We don't want to just crack open a random devotional and just randomly go through Scripture. You know, we want to actually know what is the Bible saying, and then let's pray about it. Let's pray. What, what is God calling me to do? Or, you know, okay, I'm about to go to work tomorrow. Okay, I've got trainings tomorrow. Very, very boring trainings. How can I give God glory at work when all we're doing is trainings? Well, you know, one of the things that I do, um, I try not to complain about everything. You know, I try to have a positive attitude about things. Everybody there knows that I'm a Christian. Everybody knows that I'm a Christian there. Um, I don't shove it down their throat. I answer questions that, that they um, that they ask me. And um, I've shared the gospel with some of them, you know. And I'm, I'm here for them, and I'm loving on them as best I can. And, you know, I hope they see that I'm not going around and complaining about everything because there's plenty to complain about, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. And I think that's something where it shows that you're shining the light of Christ. You know, it's not just the words that we say, you know, used to, I know as a college, um, there, there were some people that they would say things like, you know, well, I don't really have to share Jesus. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to talk about him and share the gospel. You know, I could just in my actions, Hmm. here's the problem. If you're just sharing the gospel with words or you're just sharing with your actions, you're doing it wrong. You need both. Either one of those can be a social Christian. That's not what we're called to be. You know, I like that you mentioned David Platt's book, Radical. You know, um, I got really upset. I don't know, maybe it was yesterday or the day before. And I was reading it as well. I figured it's been about 10 years since I've read it. I'll read it again. And I'm going through it, and I know all this stuff, and it's like, oh, man, I'm like 100% on all of this. I think I'm, I'm, I've just finished, like, chapter 4. And um, and then I got really upset because I was like, this book has been out, I think, since 2010 or 2011, so more than 10 years. And where are the radical Christians? Where are the people that read this book? You know, hundreds, thousands of people that have read this book that mm-hmm. they haven't made a change. Well, it's a it's a pretty popular book. Surprisingly, yeah. I've heard people be like, "Yeah, we did a study on that back in." But it's like if it went through one end out the other. Yeah, and it's like not only that. Uh, I'll even add to that. You know, like we've been studying this for the. I mean, every Christian has has something with this, right? And it's like we don't we, somehow. A lot of, quote, Christians read this and study, or they even just hear it on Sunday mornings, and they draw out of it, say a prayer, and get saved, and let's get out of hell, and let's go to heaven so I can see my grandma. They pull out what they want. And it's like, yeah, that's not, how do you draw that out of this? Um, it's, it, Sorry, it's, it's it, Let me read something uh, for the second time tonight. <laughs> First time for the viewer. Um, Colossians 3 uh, starts with, therefore, so we're going to go back and see what that therefore is there for. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 20. 
<laughs> uh, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is if you are living in the world, do you submit yourselves to the decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, with all refer to things destined to perish with us, with use? So Paul right there is just giving some examples of earthly things, uh, fleshly, you know, perishable things that won't be here forever. Um in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. So he brings in the concept of men. We're not here to please men, but we're here to please God. Um, you can see that in Galatians 1.10, Paul asks the question, am I here to please men or am I here to please God? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We should all be bondservants of Christ. What is a bondservant? Now I'm going on a tangent, but I don't care. <laughs> a servant is obviously you serve somebody, but a bondservant, you're bond to that person. You're a slave to that person. You are... Um, they're your master, which a lot of people don't like that. To well, use that's that. the point. Uh, the bond servant comes from the Old Testament where mm -hmm. um, a servant would finish his seven years, mm -hmm. but then would say, no, I want to I want to stay here. And he'd nail part of his ear to the door. And if they were serving seven years, they were in debt. They owed somebody. They were right. a literal. That like, debt was th this clear. is not the type of slavery that's like the early U.S., like Abraham Lincoln slavery. This right. is, you know, you owed somebody. Verse 23 these are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are no value against fleshly indulgence. So, again, Paul brings in the idea of appearing wise and self-made religion, but it actually has nothing against fleshly indulgence. So there's nothing spiritual there. Hmm. It's self-made. It's of man. And again, we're not here to please man. We're here to please God. Um, so Paul lists all that, and then in chapter 3, we're just going to pretend that the chapter didn't change. We're going to keep that idea going. Paul says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So with the um, presupposition right there that we are raised with Christ, so he's talking to believers here, this only applies to believers, then you're supposed to set your mind on the things above um, and not being, you know, you see that in Romans 12, not being conformed to um, this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, Uh Romans 7 is one of my favorites, living by the Spirit, not living by the flesh, because, you know, Paul is like, why do I keep doing the things I want to do? It's actually not me anymore. It's the my flesh doing that. Now I'm supposed to live by the Spirit, which is holy. So part of being a disciple of Jesus is coming to that holiness, being more like Jesus. Um, as I said previously, there's, that. well, y'all haven't heard this. You, you all have heard this, but they haven't. <laughs> is There's three big, very broad things that are part of being a disciple of Jesus, and there's obviously deeper stuff to this, but I'll just keep it broad, um, is one, um, coming alongside other disciples of Jesus. So you have that true fellowship, like in your home church that you talked about, which I really like, um, you know, all in the same spirit, same mind, same judgment. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 1. Um, and then, so that's, that's part of it. And then another part is being sanctified. So there's two sanctifications here that I'm talking about. There's the first one, um, it's in the moment. So now, once you're a regenerated, born-again believer, you're now set apart from the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world, um, not conformed to it. And then the progressive sanctification, which brings me into my 
the third thing about being a disciple of Jesus, which is being holy. So that progressive sanctification is bringing you to that holiness. It's making you conform to the image of um, God's Son. So we're, again, living by the Spirit, which is holy, and not of our flesh, which is not holy. Um, that righteousness that we have through Jesus is what brings us to salvation. Um, so all of those are crucial parts of being a disciple of Jesus, and it's, um, you know, radically following Jesus isn't really radical. It's just biblical. <laughs> and the world, yeah, the world, it's radical to the world. And, mm -hmm. and again, like I said earlier, you'd be surprised at how many people in congregations these days are the world and not disciples. Yeah. Because those are the ones that are going to view you as crazy. In our home church, we have a, a little, um, study that we had been, that we have done a few few months ago it's called the uh, commands of christ study and uh it's basically nine things that it's like a litmus test for what a healthy church looks like mm -hmm. and, and 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 then you can take that it's a healthy christian you mm -hmm. know break that down even mm -hmm. farther but it's it's actually called you know discipleship training and commands mm -hmm. of christ but uh One of the things that stood out to me here is in the and it says the fourth command, the fourth study, the fourth part of this study is go and make disciples. And one of the questions is uh, who is qualified to go and share. And First uh, Peter two nine. Uh, like I said, the question is, who's qualified to go and share? This is, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, you are a royal priesthood. You know, you are, I am. If you believe this, yeah. So, who is qualified? Well, every born again believer, follower of Jesus, is qualified to go and tell, to go and tell about the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're all a royal priesthood. So, and you know, on that, as Christians we need to make sure that we're not just going through the motions and we're not just, Oh yeah, I go to church lazy or uh, what a pastor. I had a pastor friend. He used to say, Patty, we don't have time for Patty cake Christianity. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. We don't have time for that mess. Like mm -hmm. just go. Well, Pat, I mean, the road to hell is paved with comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to kind of add on to what you said, cause that's really good. Um, a lot of people, I've, I've heard people give an excuse for their lack of evangelism by saying that not everybody is like called to evangelism. <laughs> and although not I do true. believe that people can be gifted in that because God does, I think I want to, I could be wrong, but I want to say it's Ephesians four. Um, it's either four or five. It talks about how God has appointed teachers and preachers and evangelists. And, uh, I want, there's might be one other thing in there. So yeah, God does appoint those. Like some people are gifted in teaching and preaching and, and certain things. 
but that doesn't diminish the commission that every believer has. Um, we are all called to preach the gospel. Preaching is just to proclaim it, to speak it. Teaching is a little different because you're more explaining the word and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, all, all believers still have that commission. Uh, yeah. You can't use it. You can't use the excuse of well, other people are just better at it than me, so I'll let them do all the evangelism. And it's like still supposed to share the gospel. Yeah. You know? Well, he commanded us to share the gospel to right. make disciples teaching them you know a lot of people look at james and say you know it says see this is not not many of you become teachers because they'll uh, have a higher higher judgment okay incur a stricter judgment yeah. there is a difference between teaching and being a teacher yep every single one of us is called to teach right okay now not necessarily be a teacher not everybody needs to be getting up mm -hmm. in front of everybody and teaching they just shouldn't yeah um but you know, like it's almost like the office of teacher, you know, or yeah. the office of preacher versus exactly. preaching, mm. you know. Because like, God appoints those. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what James 2 is talking about. Uh, we need to be careful. We need to examine our hearts, our lives, and the choices that we make. And the, I think the ulterior motives are often hidden behind walls of security. Uh for me, like whenever I was kind of living the social Christian life, like I was expected to, I didn't realize it. Like only the spirit could reveal that to me yeah. and, and the word, because the, the word discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh, that was, I mentioned that earlier, Hebrews 4.12. Um, and so you really have to discern and look past why you do things. Um, me and Cooper, uh, Cooper has been on um, an episode, uh, Guarding Your Heart. We're going to Portugal. Uh, we're leaving in about four weeks from the time this is we're recording this, <laughs> and like I have to be really careful about why I'm going. Um, we're going for for six weeks on a mission trip. Like that's that's no joke. And um, you know, am I going just to be like I'm going on a mission trip to Portugal, and I'm gonna make an Instagram post about it while I'm there, and like I'm I'm doing it, even if I wasn't doing it to show other people that I'm doing it. What if I'm doing it just to give myself a false sense of security that I'm a Christian? Yeah. Like that's how my mind thinks sometimes. And that's how it should. You shouldn't be skeptical about everything, but you should constantly check your heart. Like you were just saying, um, am I, you know, I, I can't stand, uh, when somebody says, you know, they get back from a mission trip or something and they're like, I think I got more out of it than they did. I get what you're saying, but like, you didn't go for your own edification. That's part of it. You're going to be naturally edified through that. The Spirit's going to work on your heart while you're there. That's not why you went. That's a self-centered motive. Um, and Depends on how they mean that. Again, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you have to look in your own heart. If you're going just so you can have a religious experience of Jesus and have that sensual feeling and make a post about it and be seen by men, then what did you do for the kingdom of God? Yeah. Um, no, that doesn't mean you can't make an Instagram post when you're. That's, you know, not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I have posts of my own yeah. experiences, but that those are God led and Todd. Um, and uh, yeah, Todd's all over Facebook. <laughs> he, he posts all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his his username is at uh, non-existent. So. Right. <laughs> that's right. Hey. You know, so I started following Jesus twenty three years ago. 
Uh, was it born then? <laughs> Way to make your guest feel better. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I was raised in church and raised in a Christian school. Uh, probably had. I, I know I could quote more scripture when I was in the fifth grade than I can now. Uh, but uh, anyhow, I, I became a follower of Christ 23 years ago. And I have been a social Christian on and off that entire time. Mm. But the big transition was, you know, uh, two years ago. Uh, you know, those of y'all that know me know that, that my wife Vicky just passed away of cancer mm. and she fought it for 16 years. Uh, I would have called her a radical Christian the whole time, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that she probably wasn't. I don't know. I mean, she was probably a social Christian too, but at some point in time, but, uh, I, I'm going to say about two years ago when I lost my job at the at the paper mill and realized that I, my my possessions weren't what made me. Yeah. And and you know I've lost I lost a uh, well I, I sold all my I didn't lose my possessions because I could have kept them. You yeah. Know, I, I, but uh, we we got rid of all that stuff and. And uh, I, well, I lost my my wife in December, and I've realized then that my joy does not come from things or people in this world. Yeah. And I had a choice to make whenever I lost her because. In my opinion, I had one of the best marriages that I've ever known about, you know. And I've been married twice, so I've I had a bad marriage and I've had a great marriage, and I know the difference. And I see people at work, and I, I've got friends, you know, that complain about their wives. And, you know, if anybody's listening, I'm not particularly talking about any particular person I'm, I'm talking about you know i, I know it's people like andrew, that don't worry it's right. just, it's just, just your wives that listen yeah, it's, just, it's just you andrew no yeah. i'm just kidding but 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 uh you know and I, i'm like oh man i gotta go home and be with the wife tonight. i didn't have that kind of marriage and i kind of and i idolized her i thought more of her than i did of jesus mm. and um and I've I've since confessed that to him, you know, and and I wanted when she first passed away, I wanted to see her more than I wanted to see Jesus, mm. you know. And I have brought that to him, and um, and 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 he's taken that away from me. He's he's starting to take that away from me, and I have really got serious about reading his word. And I'm paying attention to stuff. And something really hit me the other day. Uh, I got asked a question by someone. I'm not going to tell you who asked me that question, and I'm not going to tell you what the question was, but I could not answer that question. It blowed me away. I, I about 
about fell over. First of all, that they thought that I was actually that type of person, you know, and it was a good thing. It was a good thing. And, um, and I, uh, I heard a message by Charles Stanley talking about the fruits of the spirit. We were talking about in Galatians, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, he said he was trying to, uh, to reconcile talking about the fruits of the spirit to his congregation when he didn't actually have the fruits of the spirit. Mm. But he had the fruits of the flesh. And that gave me an answer to my question. You know, it's it's no nobody I didn't get this particular trait from any person, and I didn't have this particular trait because of anything that I have done. Charles Stanley said, you know, you got the fruits of the spirit because the spirit works in you. Okay. And that was just like a couple weeks ago that I heard this. All right. And so I, I guess about two years ago, I started, I started down this road of, 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 of realizing this and being, and, and, you know, and I'm even realizing it even more now, anything good in me doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from my flesh. It comes yep. from the spirit that works inside of me. That's right. And to have that spirit, to have that fruit of the spirit, I have to be in his word, hang out with like believers, fellowship with people, go to church, share Jesus. You know, I have to do my part, not that my salvation is works or anything, but I have to want it. And I have to die to myself and let him live in me so anything good that comes out of me any fruit of the spirit is of the spirit and that's the spirit's job to do that not not mine i can't do that but i have to be willing to let him do that yeah. and i don't know if anything that i just said made any sense whatsoever oh, but no but todd that was incredible mm -hmm. i think that's exactly where we need to end mm -hmm. um that was beautiful man because uh, it's, how you I, said you idolized your own wife, you know, and you idolized her because she was such a good Christian. Like, yeah, that really got me like that was that was cool that you realized that and that you're realizing that, you know, God is actually first. And mm. it, it's it's a lot of it's it's harder for us to adhere to the spirit than it is the flesh. And you you mentioned that when she first passed that you wanted to see her. Mm. more than you want to see Jesus. And like yeah. the, the, whenever he said that, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, the fact that he even realizes that mm -hmm. because there's so many people that are like, that's a deep thought. Like yeah. nobody, nobody would catch that in their own heart. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out my motive for a mission trip. <laughs> and it's like, you're like, that. Was, <laughs> that's incredible. Like, it really is. And you know, it's, and you wrapped it up great. You know, it's, I'm kind of even hesitating if I even want to talk about it. Just and just end I don't on think that. we should. I think we should know, end it. It's it's all a work of Christ, and uh, you know, it's man's effort is nothing without God coming after us. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for listening. For more information on DDS Faith Ministries, please visit our website at ddsfaith.org and follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.